you know, no matter what people say about Secretary Clinton, she loves this country. She loves working for this country. She loves working on behalf of the country. And she would not even think for one second that she was not going to concede once they called that race. And, you know, we could have wailed and yelled. And, but for her, it was just for the good of the order. She wanted order. She wanted peace. She wanted a peaceful transition. And while things have come out since then, but the fact is that night she was very committed to making sure that this country knew. And I think that's just part of her, it's just a part of her natural upbringing. She's, she's orderly, she's disciplined, and she reflected that that night. And I was like disappointed in her, but that's okay. You know, all the things <laughs> I may have written and said about Mrs. Clinton, I must tell you, when I read this book, it gave me a profound respect for her as an American. Hello everyone, I'm Armstrong Williams. Welcome again to another edition of the Strong Cast. And boy, we had a strong cast today. Hey, take a look at this, this book here. I've read this book, I enjoyed this book so much. Yes, I enjoyed the book, okay. Are you surprised? I'm a voracious reader, I read two books a week. I read books to learn about history, about life, because I don't always have to make the mistakes or make the bad judgments or do the good things. I can literally be a sponge to somebody else's life and their struggles and their success, and I can learn from that. That could enrich my life. We all can learn from each other. If we forget about the labels, left and right, Republican and Democrat, lower our voices, because when you read something, you never know what you're going to read that's going to speak directly to you. So I strongly encourage people for colored girls who have considered politics, because politics is such a central part of our lives. So I want to welcome Donna Brazil, who needs no introduction, and Mignon Moore to the Strongcast. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, sir. I want to start out, because I guess when you see the colored girls, colored boys, or whatever colored boys, or whatever color you may, may seem and to assume that this book is not for them. And I will tell you, this book talks about the incredible relationships of men and young people that have enriched your life from the very beginning and how that has impacted you. And what I want to talk about today in our strong cast, not just about for colored girls, but the men. I want to start with your fathers, because what's unique about both of you is that you had a very strong relationship with your father. I never forget when I was reading the book and your father was dying and you were on the phone with one of the colored girls and they were on the phone with you when you, your father took their last breath. I mean, the fact that you were there with your father, understanding how Mignon and those said, you said, look, forget about whatever you're doing. Spend these last few days, weeks with your father because you'll never have this time again. So I want to start with you, Mignon. Talk about your father and how the relationship with your father still makes you the woman, the person you are today. Well, we, we call my father Big Will. And Donna knew him. I mean, he, first of all, he was just a ball of fun. And he loved all my friends, so he got to know all my friends. And one of the things that I love most about him, when he used to come to Washington, we'd, I'd host Thanksgiving, and he'd do the prayer. And we'd all be looking up under our eyes saying, okay, this is going to be over soon, because he's going to be praying for the sick, he's going to be praying for the poor, he's going to be praying for homeless. I mean, yeah. And we just laugh about that. But he was a very, very strong person. He was very different from my mother. He was the vivacious person. He was the union worker. 
He was a, a poster worker all his life, so he, he understood politics. Him and my uncle were two of the same. And so they just, I mean, I think everything that they instilled in us, I still see it today. I still see fighting for myself today because I used to listen to them talk about union wages, talking about poster workers. So, I mean, I think in him is me. But, you know, I want, I want, I want to continue because yeah. you work and was a part of Britannica Encyclopedia. Yeah. And Britannica Encyclopedia, Donna, you know we had yeah, that in our home. Bro, everybody of <laughs> our generation had Britannica That's Encyclopedia. Right. In the Bro, house, before and, Google. Before Google. Yes. And, and your story is similar to mine. You always had bread on the table, yep. clothes on your back. That's right. You were a little sophisticated young girl, yeah, right. very middle-class parents. So the kind of life you had today is the life you've always had. You just may have enriched it a little more, but your father gave you a kind of self-esteem, a kind of courage, a kind of discipline and work ethic where you were prepared to deal with men of all walks of life. Absolutely. Without question. I mean, and, you know, a lot of the guys that I've had to deal with, men, you know, I've worked with Reverend Jackson, I've worked with President Bill Clinton, I've worked with Terry McCullough. I mean, you name them, they have been strong and you have had to be strong against them or for them. And, you know, you've had to had the ability to when they're doing something right or wrong, you've had the ability to say, mm, that's not right. You better, you better try to think Think, rethink that. So I, I think I got that from him. But I also got it from my mother and my grandmother and all the women that raised me. So I think he was good. I think what he instilled in me was not take yourself too seriously. Right. What my mother instilled in me was you work hard, you pay, play by the rules, and then your success will come. You don't worry about the title. Sometimes you don't even worry about the money. Just make sure you put the work ethics in and that will rise you up. And also, I, I, the other thing I got from the book and and reading about Mignon, it's her dress. The way she dressed, elegant, <laughs> always professional. It's something that the uniform that was very important to you, and you're always conveying something in that image and your optics when people see you, is still representative of who your parents were. Yeah. And you continue that to this day. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I look at the way my mother dressed and she was very conservative. I mean, you know, she was never flashy. You know, every now and then I might step outside my comfort zone and put something a little bit with a little bit more pizzazz. But mostly I'm very basic. And you know what? My suits come back. You know, the only thing that doesn't come back is weight goes up and down. But my suits come back and I've always maintained that. But I, I, I did that because I felt like sometimes when I'm the only one in the room, what I really wanted them to listen to was what I had to say and not what I looked like. And so I, I was deliberately low-keyed in terms of what I dressed. And I looked more like them than, you know, the average person. So I didn't come in with the big flashy earrings on. I didn't come in. And, you know, people can do that now because I think we're a little bit more lax. But that was just never my style. And I've always said to young women, if you want people to hear you, make sure that you come in the door, not all fanciful, as I call it, but, you know, just a basic suit on, basic blouse. And then once you establish yourself, you can dress any kind of way you want. That's true. That's so, Donna, true. Uh, you, uh, you've often talked about your father and your brothers yes. and your nephew and the men that have shaped your life. Yes. Talk about you growing up with your father. Well, my dad was a, a veteran. He was served in Korea. He received four bronze stars for uh, Valor, a UN medal as well. And so I grew up in a very disciplined household. My parents were very, with uh, nine children, you, you were part of a large family as well. And so we were taught every morning to get on our knees and pray, make up our beds, and to go out in the world with uh, compassion for others. But my dad taught us to be tough, mm -hmm. tough-minded, 
but a tender heart. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a Catholic household, and so prayer was a, a, a part of our lives. We had to pray for everything, and we had to pray for each other and pray for our country. And so my dad was, in many ways, the, the priest that never uh, left the house. <laughs> we had an altar at home, and um, whenever we did something bad, we had to go and confess our sins right away. So I, I did confession almost daily uh, <laughs> because I was that kind of kid that uh, my mouth got me in trouble when I was a young girl. Uh, sometimes get me in trouble. Well, I remember, I remember the book uh, when Dr. King was assassinated and you were eight or nine years old yeah. and your mother and father were trying to calm you down and it just, you were really angry. I was upset because Dr. King was my hero. Mm -hmm. I was eight years old. I, I understood that moment. I understood what it was like to have somebody who you believe to be not just a part of your family, but he was a good man. Mm -hmm. I mean, Reverend Arthur Paul Clay was a, uh, the president of SCLC in, in my, right outside of New Orleans where I grew up. And everybody talked about Dr. King as if he was, he was one of us. And so listening to him on the radio, hearing about his message, reading about his message, I wanted to be like Dr. King and the civil rights workers. I wanted to help people. And, and it, it mattered to me. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier. When my dad knew all of the colored girls, mm -hmm. he knew us. Mm -hmm. He wanted to know what's Mignon up to, what's Leah up to, what is Yolanda doing? And of course, there's another colored girl that, that's not on the cover, but in the book, Tina Flanoy. Mm -hmm. And so Tina You know, Tina worked for us with us at EEOC. Yeah. I've known yeah. Tina a long time. Oh, yeah. well, she, Good sister. Well, well yeah. she, she grew up in Savannah. Yeah, so I know she's Tina. Roots yeah. in the South. And yeah. So, An analytical so, genius. Yes, she is. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, we know Tina. And, and yeah. I write about that, how yeah. smart mm -hmm. Tina, and Tina yes. and I worked in the Gore campaign. Yes. But my, Tina was the one who said, you're not going to have a, a lot of time, so go home. I went home every week mm -hmm. uh, until my daddy passed. And Leah, I called Leah that morning. I said, Leah, I think this is the time. And she said, DB, go ahead. And, and I went there, and Leah was there to, on the phone, uh, and we prayed together mm -hmm. for my dad as he passed over. The day before, with my older sister, we did the, the Catholic rites. We did the rosary. But uh, he knew Leah so well and respected and loved her, mm -hmm. her grace and her closeness to God. And my dad, the last words were Leah's prayer. Mm. Well, she is a daughtery, and her father was oh, the right Reverend daughter. Oh, you're right. So let's not forget. Right. You know, I want to I want to say this because I want to talk about this book and a strong cast because for someone like myself who is an entrepreneur but also a political animal, my associations with Justice Thomas, Dr. Ben Carson, mm -hmm. and when I was reading the book, and there they were on election night. And Neon had this gut feeling before Donna had it. Yeah. Neon had it. But the thing that I remember that was just resonated with me is that former President Bill Clinton was back and forth with Neon more on the phone. Talk about Mignon, what do you think? I mean, forget about the politics and who won and who <laughs> lost. But the fact that you were on the phone engaged with the former president of the United States, your judgment, your insights, your calculation. That was a powerful moment for me as a Absolutely. brother in the book. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He was like, he was really into, well, obviously, he's a political animal himself. But he was talking to you, Mignon Moore. Well, as his former well, political director. Yeah. Yeah, he talk was. about that. Well, I didn't, you know, I... How do you, how do you get to such a place with what you consider to be these powerful men? 
He could care less whether you're a woman or whether yeah. you're African-American. Yeah. Right. He respected your brilliance. Yeah. He respected your yeah. genius of political savvy and understanding yeah. and counting votes. He understood it. And that doesn't happen overnight. You know. built it over a lifetime. Yeah. It was the ultimate mark of respect. Amen. Well, thank you. Um, you know, President Clinton actually probably is smarter than all of us. Uh, let me just put that on the table. When it comes to politics, he understands these states. He understands where yes. votes come from. He understands trends. He reads polls. But he's also an insatiable reader, too. But I think on this particular day, because he was not plugged into every state, he was really curious about, and I think in the book I was describing Michigan, he was curious about where the votes were coming in because that was really a pivotal moment for him in his, in his campaign where he actually did a You were speech. describing Flint and Detroit. Yeah. yeah. And we were trying to tell him, well, you know, the votes, you know, we have this thing on, on election day when the <laughs> urban vote ain't come in. Yeah. You know, the vote hasn't come in. That's like we still got hope out There's here. still hope. Yeah. But at this particular time, we knew that something was just a little bit off. And so the votes were coming in, but they were coming in in pockets of places where we weren't anticipating, and they certainly right. wasn't, they weren't coming in for us. And then there was a whole issue with the down ballots where they weren't even voting for president. So right. we just, we, it was just, it, it was feeling odd. And so he was just quizzing us, and he was, it was me and my partner, Charlie Baker, when we were on the phone with him, and he was like, this is not good. And so he was really my first warning signal that, that, that Michigan was probably going to be a Well, you had this gut instinct yeah. in the book before you even started communicating. Yeah. But I want to come back to yeah. this because we talk about men dominate politics. Yeah. Meon and Donna Brazil has dominated politics for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. They have been in the ear. They've shaped policies. They've shaped legislations. And they've shaped the elections. There's, we forget sometimes that Donna Brazil was the campaign manager of Al Gore. Mm -hmm. and, when, and I remember this point in the book with you and the vice president and this election where he conceded, but then he said, he called the president Bush back, withdrew. Talk about that. I mean, you shaping, this is having an impact, not just on the country, but on the world. And you and me and Yana are on the cutting edge. In the this world. is progress. In, yeah. the, in the room. In the room. And, and it was a rainy night in, in uh, down in Tennessee. And we were at the War Memorial. And the results were in. But we felt like something is going on in Florida. Mm -hmm. And we knew that the rules in Florida dictated that if it's within 1%, there would be a recount. And so Gore conceded before the final tally had come mm -hmm. in. And what Mignon is saying is absolutely correct, because when the eastern part of the state came mm -hmm. in on the East Coast time, the central part of the state, right. which is central time, did not come in. Right. And so when the panhandle came in, that, that election went from plus Gore to minus Gore, mm -hmm. but it was within the 1%. So he had to call back, and at that point, President Bush said, I mean, then Governor Bush said, well, I just talked to my brother, Jeb Bush, Governor Jeb Bush, and my brother said that it's a win for us, and Gore said, no, it's not. And so being in the room, and I kept, I had an umbrella, and I'm like, don't concede, don't concede. Mm -hmm. And the Secret Service looked at me like, what, what am I gonna do with that umbrella? I'm like, no. I just want him, don't concede. Mm -hmm. And he conceded and then had to call back and withdraw his concession. This is why you must read the book mm -hmm. of these powerful women, Americans, shaping politics, impacting the future leaders of the free world. I mean, you got to read this book. Sometimes we said, oh, if it's a Democrat, I don't read. This is not about reading about Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> this is about reading about two people from Chicago and Louisiana mm -hmm. who've come up become 
political geniuses, understand how to count votes, understand how to be strategists, and yet you had the ear of the, and this is just the president. We're not even mentioning Maynard Jackson. I remember the story with Maynard Jackson yes. and Terry McAuliffe, <laughs> when they were vying to become chairman. Yep. And then you had to, then something happened. All of a sudden, you built these relationships for men, and it already has been about the color. You right. almost, you had to step back and say, wait a minute, I understand I'm with my brothers, but <laughs> right. I gotta look at race in a different way here. Right. It's, not, right. it's not black and white. Right. Talk about that, Mignon. That was a powerful <laughs> point in the book. Yeah, that was actually a very interesting, you talking about Maynard and uh, Terry, that was really a very interesting campaign. And it was actually, for us, we called it our coming out moment because, yes. Um, yes. you know, he was an icon. Maynard was an icon. And, you know. Donna encouraged him to get in the race. Absolutely. Yes. She did. Yes, Donna good, did. Good Trouble always uh, yes, does that. Donna encouraged him, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so she encouraged him to get in the race, but she encouraged him for the right reasons because she always feels like we need to be a little bit more competitive. And she feels like African Americans need to be in and we need to show that we can do these jobs. Unfortunately, Terry did something very different. He he treated that race like he was running for president. Right. He called every state chair. He called every yeah. DNC member. He actually put together a very sophisticated campaign. It was not like he was just running for chair. He was actually vying for the votes. Unfortunately, Maynard didn't have that infrastructure around him. That's and right. so by the time he actually got in, I think Terry was so far ahead. But then we, the but it was, but I think philosophically for us, it was tough because Maxine, Auntie Maxine, was on the other side. Yes. And so, you know, she all and of that almost went to blows in the yes. book. I, I read it. Yes. I read the book. Okay? Yes, you did read the book, brother. You read the book. Okay. Go ahead. You read, people read the book because it's in the book. Oh, I read the book. I'm not making this up. Oh, no. It was riveting. Yeah. I'm all, I, that's just a teaser. They almost went to blows. You got to read the but book. I, but I think yeah. there's another story yes. that your, the strong cast should know. Yeah. And that is how we even look at partisanship. When yeah. Rosa Parks got yep, that's an right. icon of the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. we reached out to then Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. Right. That's right. Because we wanted to make sure that she had a state funeral. And President Bush was in the White House. And Condi not only took the call, but she helped us to put together a state funeral. It's in the book. It's, it's in the book. It's in the book. And, yeah. and, and, and then for someone who did not... You're willing to cross the aisles. It's not always about politics. It's about moving history That's forward. That's right. And Curry in history is what we call it. Yes. Curry in history. Mm -hmm. And Condoleezza yeah. went down to Birmingham. Yep. And to make sure that her body was delivered here. Mm -hmm. And from that point, we had the support of not just the U.S. Capitol Police, the mm -hmm. Secret Service. The entire country came together to honor this uh, icon. But another part of the book that we talk about is Hurricane Katrina. Yep. Because we want to let the, let our readers know that we had to reach out too, yep. to President George W. Bush to help. Yep. Yes, we had Bill Clinton, we had Al Gore, but we needed President Bush. And so it's important to understand that this is the story of four women. We've been eyewitnesses to mm -hmm. history, but more importantly, we have been engaged. Armstrong, you and I go back to 1980, saving black colleges. colleges. Yeah. Black College Day with yeah. Rock Newman. Right, Rock Newman. right, right. Tony yeah. Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go back because we have to always look forward and look ahead and not just look back, but look ahead. And that's what this book is about. Yeah. Looking back, but also reaching forward to the future. And, and I think the beauty of the book is that they're showing that they build relationships on all sides. Oh, absolutely. Relationships absolutely. don't have a label for them. No. They build no. trust. They build no. honor. 
Yes. And they move history forward. Yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. cannot allow yourself to stay yeah. in a corner, yeah. locked into some political label. That's yeah. it. Absolutely. And you know, I learned that greatest lesson when I used to attend the leadership retreat, where that's where I met Bob Brown, that's where I met Connie Newman, and they to me represent they might be Republicans, but they to me represent my mentors. They are people that have served this country with dignity. They have served it with honor. And I am glad to call them my friends. I could care less about whether they're Republicans and they could care less about whether I'm a Democrat. They wanted me to grow in this business just like they had the opportunity to grow. So sometimes labels just don't matter to me. And the point I wanted to make. And even you, Armstrong, who has been my values? friend. Oh. Yes, it's the values value system. It's a value yeah. system. It yeah. is. And it's about trust. That's right. Yeah, and trust. every now and then, you're going to breach that trust. Donna knows. Oh, yeah. I dropped the ball with Donna. I had to pay, <laughs> I had to do repentance. That's why I could read the book. Because when you were talking <laughs> about Donna, I saw myself. <laughs> we all do it. But, but being able to forgive yeah. and not just remember the point where the trust was breached, That's but right. the entire history. That's right. You just don't forget about all the good That's because right. Yes. You had a hiccup. That's and, some, that's thing, and sometimes that's what we focus on in life. Yes. Yeah. When we read about um, somebody's involved in a scandal, that scandal is just a fraction of, of their, their life. life. Of their life. You don't that's separate right. everything that's else right. that people have done right. to make that their lasting that's right. testimony. That's right. And that's, that's what you all have had to do. But the, the, the beauty of this book is that while you may see these men in power and you talk about the hanging chairs and <laughs> Mignon said, I just, I just think this is another Chad in 2016. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I remember right. that quote, which I thought was right. classic. She was hoping up for a prayer. <laughs> but still, while you see these men in these positions of power, it's Americans like you, Donna and Mignon, who's shaping them, influencing them, encouraging them, and strategizing with them. No one gets to be the, to the White House alone. And for both of you to be in such a position of real power, a real influence, but for the good of the country, That's right. not for the good of the party. That's right. It's That's always right. for the good right. of the country. And, right. and why is it always about the good of the country? Because, because one of the things I was really touched about in the book was when Mignon did not want Secretary, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to concede she rose above everything else. Yeah. She conceded quickly because she said the country was far more important yeah. than right. our political parties. Yeah. And we don't need to divide this country any further. That's right. Well, she sure did. I mean, and I tell you, it, there was just something in my gut that said something is not right. Something felt wrong about this race. I mean, as, you, as we looked at the states, it just felt very off. But even with that, you know, it wasn't enough for her because, you know, no matter what people say about Secretary Clinton, she loves this country. She loves working for this country. She loves working on behalf of the country. And she would not even think for one second that she was not going to concede once they called that race. And, you know, we could have wailed and yelled. And, but for her, it was just for the good of the order. She wanted order. She wanted peace. She wanted a peaceful transition. That's and right. while things have come out since then, but the fact is that night she was very committed to making sure that this country New and I think that's just part of her. It's just a part of her natural upbringing. She's mm -hmm. she's orderly, she's disciplined, and she reflected that that night. And I was like disappointed in her, but that's okay. You know, all <laughs> the things I may have written and said about Mrs. Clinton, I must tell you, when I read this book, it gave me a profound respect for yeah. her mm -hmm. as an American. I recited. I have to look at her through a different lens. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, I've known yeah. her since 1982 uh, when I served as an intern at the Children's Defense Fund. I wanted to learn 
everything I could about public policy. And here was this woman from Arkansas who was talking about poor kids in the Deep South and the need to ensure that they had health care uh, and, of course, an early start in education. Mm -hmm. That's when I got to know the Hillary Clinton that most people still don't know. Right. It's, it's a shame that no, nobody really knows who she is. But I want to tell you on the concession number, uh, <laughs> the day after the Supreme Court uh, made that announcement, that night, I should say. We're talking about Gore now. For Al Gore, Gore yeah. right, in two, <laughs> that, that contested election of 2000. <laughs> Al High Gore. voltage election. Oh, right. uh, I was ready, Armstrong, because you know my background. I was ready to organize the largest march on Washington. We were on <laughs> protest. Al Gore called me and said, "Shut it down." I said, "He's yeah. he's the vice president." And I said, "He said, shut it down." Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. It. I just I went home and I said, "I have to shut it down." Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the kind of people we have worked. Those are the people we have served. Mm -hmm. And. I do believe at this great hour in our country, we need to find ways to come together. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. can bridge the divide. Yeah. And we're a short example. Here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. But our that's value exactly. system, yeah. what yeah. do we value? We value each other. We value our faith we strong. We value this country. We do. Because there's a love of country, mm -hmm. a service that my father taught his nine children. And, and see, we don't take it for family. granted. You know, because these jobs didn't come easy for us. No. You you know that, I mean, with your success. And we've had to work hard. And while you play by the rules, sometimes even playing by the rules don't even get you anything. But, you no. know, the truth is we still believe that this country is the greatest country on earth. And we're going to work on behalf of it. I want to thank for colored girls who have considered politics. I tell you, we've done many interviews along the way. I can't tell you as an American, as a man of faith, and as a brother, I'm so proud of my sisters. Because when I read this book, I read about me too. I read right. about you brothers. I read about all of you. Oh, so it's not just for colored girls, it's for colored boys too. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Strong Cast with your host, Armstrong Williams.